creativity comes from being bored and I really make myself have that time to be bored a lot, actually. I, I do it more and more because I find it the most exciting time for me creatively. And, and also, I think <clears throat> you need to replenish creativity. It's something you have to mm. fill up. Welcome to Priorities, the podcast about the things in life that really matter. I'm your host, journalist and coach Lily Silverton. And each week, along with a roster of incredible guests, I'll be exploring how priorities inform and transform our lives, sharing mindset tips, strategies, and inspiration to help you prioritize your own life. We'll be covering what we think is important and unimportant, what we'd like to work on more, and the moments that changed our priorities and lives forever. I hope you enjoy. My guest today is photographer, publisher, and film director, Rankin. One of the world's most famous iconographers, he's captured everyone from the Queen to Kate Moss to David Bowie and Kendall Jenner. Aside from creating campaigns for the likes of Nike, Dove and Comic Relief, his work has been in every notable publication you can think of, from Vogue to GQ, and he's exhibited at art galleries worldwide, including MoMA in New York and the V&A in London. In 1992, Rankin co-founded the seminal culture magazine Dazed and Confused, and has since published The Likes of Another and Another Man, as well as over 40 books and the biannual fashion, culture and lifestyle print and digital platform Hunger, where for four years I worked as the features director. So he's also my old boss. Hi Rankin, welcome. Hi Lily. Nice to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's so nice to chat to you. How's your day been so far? Where are we? 11am on a Monday. Good, yeah. I've walked the dogs. It's a long, nice long walk and um, had a senior management meeting and um, now talking to you. Excellent. Are you a routine kind of person? I guess with dogs, you'll always have a routine. Yes, I am. I think I was a routine person before I had the dogs, but now I've got them. It's very much, um, especially during the week, it's a, it's a routine of going out very early and walking them um normally as early as I can because I've got four and it if you take four dogs out it just gets really hectic with other dogs because they're a pack essentially and they and they get one of them gets very defensive and so it's really easy to walk them very early when it's quiet I find it hard walking one dog (laughs) keeping them under control so you've got a baby it's different (laughs) (laughs) yeah and wait till I have a pack of them as well yeah once you've got a couple yeah I mean I think it gets easier as well I definitely found when I had my child all those years ago that the older they got the easier it got and the more there were they you know the more you have with you the easier it is but dogs are dogs are my um are now my children so I really love um especially my little my new one I got last October, the October before last. I mean, and um, he's he's the love of my life at the moment. So, oh, so actually, you've told me that one of your main priorities is is your dogs. I would say, yeah, it's probably top two. Why are they so important my, to you? Have you my, always had dogs? Yeah, my family and then my dogs. I would say, I had dogs as a as a as a child, and then I didn't for a number of years. And then when I got married, well, when I started going out with my wife, my new, my new wife. She had a dog, so it came into the family, whether I liked it or not. And then once we, we, we got together and got married, we got another dog, so we had two. And 
that's God, what's that, 16 years now? So, yeah, for the last 16 years, I've had dogs. Why do you feel they're so important? I think so many people, they, dogs resonate, of course, in terms of like supporting their general health, both physical and mental. Do you feel that? Definitely, especially in lockdown, they were pretty much a lifesaver for me. Um, walking them, obviously, the health value of walking them an hour, minimum an hour a day, because I've got, got whip it, so you have to really make sure they get a lot of exercise and um but also just that period of time where I am essentially sort of bored really you know I'm I'm not thinking about anything to do with anything executional or you know replying to emails or even shooting I'm literally just walking my dogs sometimes I'll listen to books or podcasts or a lot of the time, like this morning, I listened to a bit of Don McCullen's uh, autobiography, but most of the walk I didn't do anything. I just sort of played with the dogs. And I find that that I call it the joy of missing out. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and, I, um, and I really like that, that time. In fact, I kind of try and have more of it every day if I can. Yeah, and I mean, I've worked with you, so I know how busy you normally are. And so how important those spaces must be for you to create for yourself? Yeah, I find myself the most creative on those walks. So I find myself uh, going over things and coming up with ideas. And I tend to read, um, I read a lot of audiobooks. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks. And um, I, I, I find those very inspiring and I always listen off subjects so I don't listen to things about photography very often a Don McCullen one is a unique one-off um it just popped up on my um, audible and I thought yeah I haven't listened to that That's strange but normally I'm I don't know I'm listening to kind of you know like I, I listened to the the Mark Carney lectures recently and I, I, I tend to listen to lots of different things and I find that very inspiring so I would say about half the time I'm walking listening to something and half the time I'm being bored and trying to think of things boredom is so important I really agree and I've really um especially in lockdown I think I've really become very happy with being bored and being on my own and I've 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 made time for myself when when we went back I made sure I spent at least three days a week uh in the country uh, I've got a house in the country and I made sure that I got, had gaps in the day and I made sure that I was really focused on I don't know my own headspace I suppose with the dogs a lot Mm. You definitely see it with kids as well. Watching them get bored during, uh, well, during lockdown, but just during life generally, and how important that can be for creativity. Yes, I really agree with that. And I feel, well, I think we've talked in the past about my kind of um, feelings about social media and um, this always on kind of attitudes and news and media and sociability and I just find it very damaging 
So I really make an effort not to, like, for example, I might look at my, my emails once when I'm out for a walk. I'll really f- try hard not to check in and I'll, tr- I'll, I'll limit the amount of time I spend on social media, um, which was difficult actually during lockdown. It was really hard, but um, I've actually found myself naturally kind of find it less and less interesting um, but of course I have to, unfortunately I have to look at it because of my job. So if I don't know what's going on, I can't really respond to things properly. So I see it as a bit, of, bit more like work as opposed to sort of filling spaces. But yeah, no, creativity comes from being bored and I really make myself have that time to be bored a lot. Actually, I, I do it more and more because I find it the most exciting time for me creatively. And and also I think <clears throat> you need to replenish creativity. It's something you have to mm. fill up. People, I don't know if people understand that, um, that 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 don't have creative jobs. Um, they they don't understand it's not like a a, a, a sort of never-ending well. <laughs> you need to fill it up. You need the rain, you need the, you need the um you need the time, you need the energy for it. It's really important. And I've really come to realise that more and more as I've become more aware of it, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've watched you work flat out for months, years, with barely taking a break. How do you, how do you, um, how has that changed, first of all, for you? And also, how do you manage that with your creativity of constantly needing to come up with new ideas? I think probably, I mean, I, I think when, I, when, when we got married, I did make a conscious effort to make sure that my weekends were free. And I think the failings of my previous relationships made me realise that I had to, you need, you need to put, time and effort into relationships and you can't you can't just expect them especially when you're a bit of a workaholic like I was you can't expect that to to just kind of sort itself out you need to create the space to do that and I think in doing that creating that space what I then did was realize actually this is really healthy for me as well for my ability to um come up with things and enjoy, enjoy it a bit more as well. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was an, an, an unusual transition. And then, of course, with lockdown, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of um, enforced because of, you know, the situation. So I actually think that was really, again, really healthy for me. And I started to do things like still lives. And I started to, I don't know, take pictures just for me, not for the job which was really healthy as well. So I think that I've I've tried to get that balance right since uh, maybe June last year, and I think I'm, I'm doing an, a better job of it than I've ever done before. But, yeah, it's it's something I never thought I would do or need, and now I know how much I get from it, so I wish I'd done it before, really. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant that you've got the insight to do it now. I thought what you said earlier as well about trying sort of really putting that um effort behind not checking your emails or not going on social media and the how that can get easier and easier and I think that's so true that at first it's 
requires quite a lot of effort to stay away from the spaces that our boredom would normally occupy because in our modern lives we have every opportunity to distract ourselves yeah effort to not do that yeah one of the things I find really the the one thing that I, I, I can't seem to give up and it really annoys me is is looking at social media when I'm watching a really good film <laughs> and my wife and I do both do it. And it's, it's something that I actually physically try to stop myself doing because it really irritates me that I do it. Um, and I also think if you've got that kind of brain that can do two or three things at once, which I, I'm really lucky that I've got that. Um, but at the same time, I'm unlucky because it means that I do tend to, um, that's when I, that's actually when I tend to be, be the weakest, um, with my kind of sort of discipline around it, because I could easily go for a day without looking at, I don't know, Instagram or anything else actually. Um, and then at the, in the evening when I'm not doing anything, I'm, I'm, or I'm watching something, that's when I'm like the most susceptible to it. Um, but I've, again, I've discipline. I've, been trying to discipline myself not to do that as well so but it but it but I just think I just find it I, I wish it wasn't my job in a way or sorry sorry I wish it wasn't my job in a way that I have to do that I have to know what's going on and unfortunately I, I work with people that don't uh, know and understand it and it really impacts on how they do their jobs um because it's so much part of how we communicate with each other these days. So if you don't have that knowledge, it is really very uh, detrimental to your, your ability to do what you, you know, what you, you're trained to do. Mm, absolutely. First of all, you've got to leave your phone outside the room when you're watching TV. Mm. That's the only thing. Yeah. That's what I do. Just leave it in another room. It's the only way I cannot touch it. But also, did you find social media a source of inspiration at the same time? Mm, occasionally, yes. I mean, I, I, I have two accounts, one, one of which is I follow things that interest me. And I find that account much more rewarding than the, the kind of um, the more uh, uh, sort of front-facing one, the one which is about you know, retaining those relationships that you have to do. Um, I find, I find that one kind of more of a work, work one. Whereas the, the, uh, I've got a kind of flower account, which is much, it's very small. And I only, I follow much less people. The people that I follow, I've been quite cheesy about. And I find that one very rewarding, but I, I, I I'm like, it's just part of my job now. So it's really, I, I, I really don't enjoy it as part of my job, but I have to do it to make sure that I know what, you know, what's going on. You know, um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of against it all in principle because I think it's really damaging, but um, unfortunately the rest of the world doesn't necessarily agree with me. So um, I have to do it, unfortunately. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it develops in the next few years. And changes because it's still so much in its infancy. Definitely, I've always said that we're all toddlers in this world. Doesn't matter if you're eight or eighty; <laughs> we're all dealing with it in the same way because it's also new and it's also dif- difficult to to navigate. Um, essentially, you know, it's it's a 
it's a, a very complicated way of us all communicating, but because also it's really driven by photography and it really uses photography. So on a, a kind of, I guess a kind of ideological level or a kind of ethical level, I'm fascinated by that and what it means and how important it is. And, you know, so I'm a massive Adam Curtis fan and I'll be, you know, I'll be really reading lots and lots of different books about it because, um, you know, whether it's, um, I don't know, um, Yaron, uh, what's his name, Garnier, uh, Yaron Larnier, Yaron Larnier, is that it? Um, or, uh, you know, Tristan Harris, or I'm always reading that stuff because I think it's really important to try and understand it. Um, but yeah, we are all, we're all toddlers, essentially. So talk to me a little bit about work, because that's obviously another huge priority for you. Did you always think you'd be a photographer? No, definitely not. No, I think I, I came to photography very late and I was very lucky really to get the opportunity to do it. And it was really kind of a combination of of, of luck and being put into a, a halls of residence with a load of art students when I was doing accountancy at college and and just just really, you know, thinking that I possibly it would possibly be something that I I could do because I really loved film, but um, having no connection with it. And I think in a way that was really beneficial that I didn't have any sort of, um, there was nobody in my family that studied arts. There was no, there was no history of arts in, in any of any of my sort of extended family. So when I came to it, I was kind of a black canvas and it was really rewarding to to jump into it. But it also kind of made me, you know, I had these kind of preconceptions about photography that were very different to what it ended up being. And, you know, like all, a lot of them came from TV and films and Olympus camera adverts about David Bailey. So um, I kind of grew up in public in a way, which was quite interesting. And also we, because we started dating views really early, we were all at college. Um, we We did everything... It, essentially in 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 uh in the public view um so we made a lot of mistakes early on but um but yeah when i found it it was like a light bulb moment it was it was i, I can remember it you know re- really well today i can really picture myself back there and when i looked through the lens and clicked a shutter and and it was um it was um really it was like kind of a gift really um to be somebody to, to, be, to be able to do something that I loved and I loved it immediately like the minute I got that first picture I was like this is it and it was like an addiction and then yeah I was just really lucky you know so I never really thought of it as work and that's I guess why I became a, a bit of a workaholic because it wasn't really work. It was being the thing that I loved and really enjoyed and really was passionate about and got a buzz from and still get a buzz from. That's what um, I wanted to ask you. Do you still get that feeling? Maybe not with every single photo you take, but with many of the photos you take, do you still get that feeling that you did at college? Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. And, 
I think what was interesting about going into lockdown was I, I didn't last more than a week without wanting to take a picture. So that proved to me that feeling was something that was, you know, innate within me. You know, like I, I was, you know, it's it's part of me, that need and desire to be able to capture the, the image and create something um is 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 it's within me and i and i you know suddenly i wasn't getting paid for it and it the burden of of the kind of i guess the kind of the burden of the commercialism w- wasn't there and i still i think i probably took more pictures and i you know and and i i didn't have an assistant or a, a group of assistants and i didn't have a, a technical uh digi digital person that's a kind of sort of almost learn everything again but but it was really interesting how fast I got I got it you know I I picked up my camera literally the first week of 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 lockdown and um and started to um take pictures I think uh, at the end of the week after and um the camera was there and I kind of created this you know it was in a room and I just kept thinking, I'm going, to, I'm going to go and take a picture. I've got to go and take a picture. It's like a need, it's like a desire or a need to do it. And and um, what was really lovely was the minute I started using everything, I was like, I don't actually need anybody else. I just can do this on my own. And and um, I started to take the, to be quite experimental with what I was doing and something that I'd wanted to do for a while, which was take pictures of flowers. Um, suddenly became my my project for the for the spring and yeah it was really it was incredible and I I came back from it sort of with this renewed energy for what I loved and what I I still love so I did a book of them and created I guess two potential exhibitions of the work and and uh, it all came from this just desire and need to make images and I I think that probably that was one of the most eye-opening moments for me as as a creative because you know to that point it was a job and I did a lot I do a lot of personal projects as you as you know but um this was purely just for me there was no, no reason or rationale for doing it apart from I wanted to do it. So, yeah, I, I still get a buzz and mm. even commercial. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't even... And it's funny because, you know, I make films as well, but I don't have that same need and desire to make them uh, the way that I have with photography. My work centres on helping people better navigate this challenging modern world, so I'm very excited that this episode of Priorities is sponsored by Anatomy, a London-based modern apothecary that provides natural solutions to support the stresses of daily life. Anatomy's range of vitamins, health supplements and therapeutic essential oils have been developed with the help of sports scientists, nutritionists and aromacologists, and they combine the best of nature and science to create products that support your essential health and well-being. I've been using their defense and immune support vitamins all winter, and I love their sleep and recovery oils. I put a little of their blue chamomile insomnia blend on my wrists and the soles of my feet before I get into bed and always find it helps settle my body and mind. 
Anatomy are kindly offering any Priorities listener 20% off their first order with the code LILY20. Check them out on www.anatomy.co. It must have been incredibly freeing for you because you have gone from being a solo photographer to having a huge company where you have so many people working for you, creative agency, a magazine, so much around that brand. Yeah. Be able to step away from that for a moment. Yeah, it was good. And and it was it was scary because obviously it was scary for everybody, but um and we weren't sure if we would have a business by the end of it, but um we do and 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 the other thing I did was I asked if I could because uh, I'd done a, a bit of work from for Public Health England and and I said, Oh, do you mind if I go around the country and do some photographs of of um frontline workers uh, with the NHS and they said yes. So towards the end of lockdown I got to do that as well, which I which I did for free, obviously, and we, we paid for all of our expenses. But um you know, again, it was it was doing something because I loved doing it, and I wanted to be part of something to do with helping people, as opposed to just kind of sitting in a room taking photos of flowers. But, but um, yeah, I mean, it was it was rewarding. I don't know if it, I, I was scared, like everybody was scared. I think, um, which was tough. Uh, but luckily, my wife's a a herbalist and and nutritionist so she got me on on some herbs that um were really good for kind of calming me down so um that was really 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 she had to wean me off them in the end she, <laughs> said, she said you'll get addicted to them but um but um I I, yeah I was lucky I was really lucky because that anxiety that I think everybody was going through I kind of mm-hmm. dealt with it by doing these different things and then of course I still had all those people working for me because we didn't you know we didn't lose anybody but but um yeah but I wasn't in a room with them every day and it was really it was really good just to get have a camera on my own I started talking to the flowers which was a bit weird (laughs) could have been the herbs that Thule gave you yeah I don't think it was the herbs I think it was just me I made them all portraits, so they all became characters in my mind. But it was really healthy. It was really, I, I would really recommend it if you're a photographer um, out there because there's something brilliant about just being on your own and mm. taking the picture. And the NHS project you did was fantastic. One of the things I loved so much when I when I worked with you and continue to, but is your commitment to, obviously you've shot some of the most traditionally beautiful people in the entire world most beautiful models but you've always been so interested and so committed to shooting ordinary people or people you consider interesting and always treated them the same I don't really see the difference that's the I guess that's the thing for me especially now I think it's more even and this idea of celebrity has has um the the bubbles burst a little bit I think over the last year, which I think is really healthy as well. I think it was getting to the point where it was, it was to its room. I'd literally just watched the Britney documentary over the weekend and it's extraordinary, you know, the way that she's been treated by people. So I think that it was time for, I I just think that the world needed a, 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 the, the world 
wanted a bit of a pause, you know? So, I mean, Mother Earth wanted a bit of a pause mm. and just a reminder of like, yeah, this is not, you're all here at my kind of behest, you know? So you better shape up. And I think it, I think a lot of people have, you know, taken that as a kind of wake up call. I definitely have taken it as a wake up call, but yeah, no, I love doing things like that. I love that NHS project. It was, it was also personally, and a lot of these things are personally rewarding. That's the thing that people have to understand. It's like when you go to the Congo or you go to Kenya or you go anywhere with Oxfam or you do something for, I don't know, Mencap or they're super rewarding because you get this amazing insight into people's lives and it really reminds you that you're just a human being and that you're not super important in a bubble in London um and then what was great about this one was um I got to meet doctors and nurses and 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 uh, porters and talk to them about how they were dealing with this virus and it was really personally very sort of um it, it made me feel less fearful of it because they said just do these three things that everyone's telling you to do and it will be fine so it was a really it was it was just really um healthy as well for me but they were all amazing yeah yeah really incredible. okay moving on to your your final priority which is family of course Yes. Chat what do you about, want to say about, about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, Did you always want a family? Did you know you wanted a family when you were younger? Was it something that sort of was at the forefront of your mind for a long time? Or No, I don't think so. I think um, this is a bit of a tougher one for me to talk about, really, because I think that I kind of messed up, you know, my first few relationships. So... I didn't really do very well as a parent initially, you know, um, because I was obsessed by work and I think that I couldn't really leave it at work. You know, I brought it home with me and I was very obsessed by kind of sort of being, being um, successful, really, not just being a photographer, but being a successful photographer. But I think I was always looking for the right person so um i think once i found that person Julie, who who's who's my wife now i think that i i think i was just ready to to settle down and i was ready to be committed and i was ready to um I think it was also my age. You know, I met her when I was 36 or 37, I think. And um, and I think I'd had, like, a bit of a rough ride sort of the first um, – for the last six, seven years, actually. The first 10 years were kind of like sort of from 18 to 28 was really great. And then 28 to sort of 36 was rough. It was really rough. And um, so when I met her – um, I mean, that was pretty rough as well, to be fair, to be honest. Um, but um, I think that once, you know, once we once we decided to get married and she said yes, um, I think that was it for me. And I, and I think one of the other interesting things actually is like during lockdown is that I was just really nervous that she would just be like, what the hell have I done? Like, I have to live with this guy every day. Um, but, I, but weirdly... 
I mean, especially for the first five months, we, I think her mum was really ill as well and unfortunately passed away. Oh, and and that was and that was, you know, that was a really difficult time for both of us. And what's really interesting is that that then we became much, much stronger. So I think I think we were we were lucky in a sense that that the, again that this happened and it it made us kind of confront stuff that you could easily tiptoe around. Um, you know, like what do you, you know, what's your kind of 10-year plan and mm-hmm. you know, stuff that you don't necessarily sit down and go, okay, so what's the what's the deal? You know, where where are we going? What are we doing, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you, you know, you take maybe people for granted. And and I think that once we'd had those types of conversations, um, you know, it made us much stronger. So, I, again, I think that although it's been absolutely awful and I wish it hadn't happened to the to, to everybody, um, especially the, the people that have, have really suffered from it, or died from it. I do. I do think that there, that I, I. I always look at the. I always try to look at the kind of uh, glass half full. You know. Um, so, I'm. I, I've really found that we've been able to connect in a way that I don't think we would have been able to connect. It would have maybe taken a bit longer for us to to connect and to be to be able to have those conversations um, about commitment and. You know stuff like that. So, so I mean that you know it's after a long time as well. You know it's not that it's not like yesterday. <laughs> How have your priorities changed throughout your life? You mentioned before that you had quite a difficult time from sort of mid twenties onwards, which I think can be the case for a lot of people. It's quite a confusing time. How have your priorities changed since then? What are the steps that you've taken to help your your mental health and moving forward? Well, I, I, I think probably the best thing that I've, I, I've done is, is just sort of take more time for myself and less kind of living life in that faster lane, which was, you know, it was fun. In, the, in, in my early 20s, it was fun and I enjoyed it. and. I think that probably, you know, since the age of 40, I definitely was like, right, I'm ready to kind of move into a different gear. And I think that that's, and I think being more sort of introspective and um, thoughtful and, you know, and therapy, you know, I've done, I've done a lot of, um, I didn't, I, I, you wouldn't call it conventional therapy, but I've had a lot of, um, I guess what you'd say, you call, you know, um, training and I've taken kind of business. The thing that mo- made me the most frustrated and upset was business. And so I've done a lot of training and therapeutic work around that. And I find, I call it, I call it therapy, but most people would just say it's, it's, it's training, but, um, being able to talk to two people, I've got two people that I talk to, and being able to kind of consider things and work things out 
and try and get underneath the surface of why I get frustrated or irritated or um, can't communicate or can't get the best out of people or those things have been really helpful for me personally and I think that was a decision that I made probably when I hit 40 where I just said I'm going to try and look at myself more I'm trying I'm going to try and hold a mirror up to myself more and that um and that kind of sort of process of doing that and being a bit more reflective definitely meant that I went on to do this therapy and the therapy has been the most beneficial thing that I've ever done around um myself and my own personal development and I also think that the idea of not stopping personal development you know like you're never fully formed you're never fully baked you know it's not uh it's it's a constant um a constant kind of um development or change and 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 especially in my job I think you have to shape shift anyway a lot uh, to understand what the kind of the world of 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 the media and communication needs so you've got to be able to hear things from different perspectives and I think doing that really really helped me Mm. I would highly recommend therapy to anyone that's not done it yeah, definitely. Has there been a time in your life where you're, you talk about change a lot, both in your industry and also in your personal life? Has there been a moment where your priorities have shifted suddenly? Seems like no, never shift. Never. I mean, I had when I had um, Lyle. When we had Lyle, uh, which was ninety six, I think there there was definitely there was definitely kind of. Uh, um, a move from me to do more work that was not just kind of, you know, shallow portraiture and fashion in the, in the kind of celebrity media, but, or the sort of um, magazine, magazine business, but to do more balanced work that gave back to the community or gave back to culture or, you know, the world so I definitely made that decision when he was born to do that and then I kind of carried that out through through the kind of late 90s and noughties but um no there was nothing that it was always gradual with me so but there was there was definitely I think I, I, I mean I've had moments you know we've all had our sleepless nights so we've woken up and said oh, I'm going to do this a bit more I'm going to do that a bit more and I've definitely had some of those that have made me make decisions um about myself and about where my where you know where my um priorities lie and 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 I you know like I've I've always been about trying to find um the the positive in in every situation but um but yeah I mean therapy definitely was the thing that turned me um from being very kind of frustrated with myself and with stuff in the business to trying to always find solutions in that area Mm. finally Rankin is there an area or something that you'd like to prioritize more is that something you think about definitely I think that my my 
sort of real need and desire at the moment is to to kind of give you know give myself a, a bit of space not to sorry that's my dog <laughs> which one <laughs> it's beans the gray wet the the gray whip it yeah <laughs> just having a little shake um I think you know I, I photographed Eminem once and he he said something that was it's so, so simple but it's really um I think it was really insightful, probably the most insightful thing someone famous has ever said to me. And I, he he seemed really down when I was photographing him. And I said, are you okay? And he said, I'm just bored of myself. And at the time, it's, it was like, wow, that's quite a tough and profound thing to say. But I think having talked about myself a lot for the last sort of 10 years, in whether it's in interviews, and I always used to think interviews were like therapy, but actually therapy is better therapy than anything. <laughs> um, I think just kind of, I don't know, like I've, I've done a lot of that this year. I've done a lot of the doing interviews or doing um, TV shows or whatever. And actually I just, I just kind of want to give myself a bit of space really um so I think that's the thing and I think the more the more I the more I do give myself space the better I find my work becomes so yeah I think that's probably the one thing that I want to work on more bit more space sounds like you're getting it a bit with the dogs I'm definitely getting I'm definitely walking more my my step count has gone up over um, 11,000 a day, so. <laughs> I feel like mine's down to about five at the moment. Five <laughs> just, steps, not 5,000, five steps. <laughs> just to clarify that one. I just, I just, it's, I don't know, it just feels like there's a lot of anxiety around at the moment and it's all really, um, it's very, very, um, um, valid, you know, like I, 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 I was on a, a Zoom about two weeks, three weeks ago, and I was doing it all day. And I eventually, on the last one, I was like, "Why do I feel so anxious? Why am I?" And I'm not really that anxious a person. I'm very kind of more. I'm more analytical than anxious, so I overanalyze things. I don't necessarily get anxious about them, but um, and um, I just thought. If I'm getting anxious, then the people that are really anxious are probably like, you know, at boiling point of anxious. So I think anxiety is the big, is the big um problem that I think we're all having. Um and I think that, that that's why I'm saying, you know, uh, to me the way to deal with that is to create space for myself to either go for a walk or read a book or and um yeah no that's the other funny thing it's like I was a, I'm a voracious reader like I love reading so much and when the first lockdown happened I couldn't read for the first month and a half I just couldn't get into books and I couldn't and it took me a lot of of effort to get over that and it's like I do find that I'm not I'm nowhere near as into it as I was before lockdown you know so I think that's what I'm looking for is that space to kind of make time for thinking about things that are not work or not 
personal or not personal life or not family, but like actually just think, getting, you know, getting a, and they're not films that are kind of about escapism, but those things that make you, you know, they make you think about something different. I love, I love the idea of that. So that's what I mean when I say space and also just not thinking about myself or my work or, you know, but thinking about something different. So that's, that's what I think I'm going to be working on. Sounds good. Sounds really good. Rankin, it was so nice to chat to you and catch up. Oh, so lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much. And um, Thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing the Flowers book and hopefully the exhibition at some point. And I'm sure all the other brilliant projects that you're working on going forward. Oh, thanks, Billy. Appreciate that. All right, Rankin, take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Priorities, I'd really appreciate it if you could make it your priority today to hit subscribe and also rate and review, as this helps other people find it. Need a little incentive? Every month, I offer one free six-month membership to my online studio, Mindful Moment. All you have to do is hit subscribe, rate, review the podcast, and then email a screenshot of your review to podcast at lilysilverton.com for a chance to win. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.